0: Hello, and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for the week of September 22nd. I'm Logan Finney. On Wednesday morning, I sat down with Keith Riddler of the Associated Press to discuss a central Idaho grazing lease that was purchased by a conservation group and approved by the Land Board on Tuesday. But first, the COVID-19 surge continues to flood Idaho hospitals. In a Tuesday media briefing, Dr. Jim Souza of St. Luke's Health System said that across their hospitals, COVID-19 patients account for 67 percent of adult hospitalizations compared to 8% earlier in the year, which he called an unprecedented event in modern medicine. Souza also highlighted that today's COVID-19 patients are trending younger, which he said was likely due to the virulence of the Delta variant and lower vaccination rates in the younger population. You can find Sousa's full remarks on the Idaho Reports blog. Idaho has continued to set new records for COVID-19 hospitalizations, with an all-time high of 717 hospitalized patients on September 16th and 192 patients in the ICU on September 17th. The high marks during last December's surge were 496 hospitalized and 122 in the ICU. On Friday, Idaho Reports is airing a half-hour special on the implications of crisis standards of care, with an inside look at how St. Alphonse's health system is accommodating the surge in COVID-19 patients as hospitals across the state are overwhelmed. Idaho Reports, a statewide disaster, airs Friday night at 8 p.m. in both the Mountain and Pacific time zones on Idaho Public Television. Now, here's my interview with Keith. Keith Riddler of the Associated Press. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. You're welcome. So to get into it here, the land board met on Tuesday and among some other issues, they discussed a grazing lease. Uh, Can you walk me through the grazing lease, what, what those are on state lands and what the process of bidding for those is?
1: Um, yeah, so the Outer Department of Lands um, manages the grazing leases, and in recent years, they've they've made it more transparent. I mean, if you go to their website, they list expiring grazing leases, um, and if a grazing lease is expiring and there's only one person interested, uh, that person gets the lease. Um, if there are multiple people interested, the Lands Department sets up an auction, and the highest bidder wins.
0: And Idahoans might underestimate just how many of these grazing leases there are in the state. So how many of those does the Department of Lands manage, and what's the scope of the program?
1: The Lands Department has 1,100 grazing leases on 2,700 square miles. Uh, They're mostly in the southern two-thirds of the state. It's not a big income generator, about $1 annually. In all, there are about 3,900 square miles. Of state land and timber is the, the big money maker, about $60 million annually. Uh, the money goes to various beneficiaries, but mainly public schools.
0: And so, for this specific lease that was on Tuesday, who were the, the parties that were interested uh, that put it up for auction?
1: Uh, Western Watersheds Project was interested. They're an environmental group, and then the rancher who had the lease or actually still has until January 1, uh, Michael Hensley of Plateau Farms. So those were the two
0: bidders. And so as the name implies here, these grazing leases are usually bought by ranchers for grazing cattle on public lands. Um, but in this instance, you said it was it was between a rancher and an environmental group called the Western Watersheds Project for this lease in central Idaho. So, can you describe for me where this particular land is located and why the uh, environmental group was interested in the lease?
1: Sure. So it's 620 acres. It's in the Stanley Basin. It's about 20 miles south of Stanley. Um, so if you're driving on uh, State Highway 75, you go over Galena Summit. Um, the allotment is on your right hand side just a few miles as you drop down into the basin. Um, so. Why Western Watershed's project wanted it are a couple of reasons. Um, the immediate reason is that 4th of July Creek and Champion Creek run through it. Uh, those streams contain federally protected bull trout and steelhead. Uh, Western Watershed's project felt that, therefore, the land would be much better as a, for conservation rather than running sheep and cattle on it. Um, bidding on that started at 250 went up to 8200 uh, before Western Watersheds won. They're, all, they're also going to have to pay a fee of 800 annually to retain it. And that's based on how many sheep and cattle the Lands Department uh, has authorized to run on. it. Uh, Eric Mulver, the group's executive director, of course, he said that there's no plans for run sheep and cattle. Um, it's also too important to remember about Western Watersheds Project. Um, their stated goal is to end livestock grazing on public lands. Uh, You know, I'm not sure there's any group in the Western U.S. that has more animosity from ranchers than Western Watershed's project. It's probably because they're successful. Um, They mostly deal with grazing allotments offered by the U.S. Forest Service and U.S. Bureau of Land Management on federal land. And and they typically are in court on those things and they very often win. Um, So they're getting involved in a, a state grazing lease is unusual, unusual, but they have done it before.
0: Sure. And I've seen in your reporting that some folks in the ag industry are concerned that this could start happening more with uh, with state leases, these environmental groups, like the Western Watershed Project, outbidding the ranchers for these leases. And what kind of issues does that present on the, the state level?
1: You know, it's hard to say how this is going to play out. Um, I mean, if, it, if there are more conservation groups bidding for these leases, it could be of course, less livestock raising on state lands, but it's important to remember this the 620 acres that Western watersheds project got is a, a pretty unique piece of ground. And it's a small piece in a big watershed. And even Mulver said it's just not a financially viable way to achieve conservation on, on a large scale. And also, you know, least when winners have some responsibilities. They have to keep invasive species out. Um, and so I, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of targeting of state, state grazing leases. Um, you know. Plus, they, these leases are typically for 10 to 20 years, so they don't come up a lot. Um, but I guess we'll see going forward.
0: Multiple competing groups were interested in the lease, and so that took it up for auction through the Department of Lands. Where does the land board fit into all of this?
1: So the land board directs the other Department of Lands and you know, the board needs to sign off on all these business deals. And they do that monthly at their land board meetings that are open to the publics. And the land board is comprised of five statewide elected officials. They're all Republicans right now. That's uh, Governor Little, Governor Brad Little, Attorney General Lawrence Wasden, Secretary of State Lawrence Denny, State Controller Brandon Wolf, and Superintendent of Public Instruction, Sherry Ibera. And uh, the land board, it's a it's kind of an odd thing to cover in some ways because technically the board is a trustee entity and it's constitutionally required to get the best deals on state lands over the long term to generate money for those beneficiaries. But it's also, you know, as a practical matter, a political entity. And that sometimes plays out. I kind of saw that yesterday when they were discussing this Western Watersheds project and winning this lease. A fair number of questions on it you know, what it meant for converting it to a conservation lease as opposed to a grazing lease. But in the end, they ended up approving it. Um, I I don't think they had a lot of good options. If they had had not approved it, they would more than likely have been sued. And and based on precedent, they would have probably lost in court.
0: Yeah. Can you walk me through a little bit of that precedent? Because I've seen in your reporting that in the 90s, uh, when the group was called the Idaho Watersheds Project, they purchased a similar lease like this at auction, but the land board in the 90s uh, denied the lease and it went to court. Can you walk me through how that case played out and how, how that precedent affected yesterday's decision?
1: Yeah, it ended up going to the Idaho Supreme Court and the, the court ruled the land board didn't have that kind of discretion to essentially make a political decision and say it liked ranchers better than it liked environmentalists. Um, uh, and that's basically that's the that's the board um, not being trustees, and fulfilling their constitutional duty, but just being a political entity. And and the court said they couldn't do that. And and that court that case set the precedent, allowing the group to buy the second lease in the Stanley Basin.
0: So the court essentially said the land board's hands are tied because it's their job to get the best return on the investment for. Financial beneficiaries, not to set policy.
1: Essentially, yeah. I mean, the, they have to take politics out of it. I mean, I I, I didn't cover the board back in the nineties. Um, obviously, in Idaho, it's a it's kind of a ranching state. There's a lot of support for ranching, and the and the board felt that uh, they could just inject pure politics into it. And the, and the court said that was a violation of their constitutional duty, essentially, and and that they couldn't do that. Um, and you know. Uh, and Mulder said that the Western Watersheds Project still has that lease.
0: So there's always been kind of this push and pull between conservation and wildlife groups versus the agriculture, ranching and farming folks. Um, How do you see these these two groups perceiving each other and their their relationships with land management?
1: I don't see a ton of cooperation at the moment. Uh, You know, ranchers I've talked to, um, so they're the best land managers because they need to keep the land healthy and productive. And of course, you know, conservationists say, I mean, they're the best managers because they'll remove you know, what they say are you know livestock that cause overgrazing and allow invasive species such as sheep grass to flourish. And I mean, Western Watersheds Project's state of goal of ending public land grazing doesn't leave a lot of room for negotiation. Um And there are, you know, there are, though, in Idaho forest collaboratives that have had success and it. I suppose it's possible there could be rangeland collaboratives. And I know there's some work in that direction, but um, from what I've seen so far, most of these disputes end up in court.
0: Do you think there's a chance that this issue will come up in the next legislative session? Or is there any policy or lawmaking that the legislature could do to influence this in the future?
1: Uh, you know, I've covered the legislature for a number of years now, and it's it's anybody's guess what the Idaho legislature will do. Um, on, on this one, it's 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 tough to imagine they'll tackle it because you know it seemed to me they'd have to change the Idaho Constitution, you know, with regard to how the land boards' responsibilities let them make you know, their des- decisions. I mean, it, it would have, have to be something to allow the board to inject politics into it, um, and that could be to the de- detriment of the beneficiaries. Um, so I, I don't see it, but you know, next year is an election year. So <laughs> who knows? I'm not making any, any predictions on that one.
0: Yeah, we are in the reporting business, not the predicting business.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's been wild in the legislature the last few years. So I mean, I just can't say.
0: Well, Keith, do you think there's anything else here that, uh, that we haven't gotten to that's important for our listeners to know about? I, I don't know that the, that Western Watershed's project seems
1: particularly interested in, in going for any more leases unless they have these high value environmental qualities to them. I mean, a lot of it is wide open rangeland and a lot of these, these, these 620, 640 acres they're scattered about it's tough to get them in any sort of cohesive you know part of an overall plan. So I, I don't think it's going to happen much more going forward. But again, I'll have to have to see on that.
0: All right. Keith Riddler of the Associated Press. Thanks for joining me this morning. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. Tune in next week for another episode of the Idaho Reports podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media for updates throughout the week. Our new hospital special airs Friday night at 8 p.m. on Idaho Public Television and you can watch it online after it airs at IdahoPTV.org slash IdahoReports.
1: Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.